It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. Guess what? We start out with prayer and just uh, ask God to lead us in this time. Father, Lord, one of the key dimensions of living life with you is expectancy. That the God of the Bible that uh, did such amazing, marvelous works is still alive, still working working out his ends to his glory for the establishment of a kingdom. Lord, and I pray that we would enter into that reality afresh today, that we would participate in it, that we would uh, place our lives in the hands of our Redeemer, and that we would uh, discover in a greater measure what it means to live for Jesus Christ. Lord, teach us, instruct us by your Holy Spirit today. We love you. This is for you, Lord. Amen. So welcome, all of you. Uh, This is uh, becoming our new tradition for those of you that are not familiar that we do this every day, and it's streamed, and then it turns into a podcast, and uh, this has actually been very invigorating for a lot of people already, but starting with us, this has been a wonderful thing for me. I know that might sound strange. Uh, It's if you, you know, the amount of preparatory work now that is injected into my life and into Nathan's life is, has been a bit of a shock to try and adjust to. Uh, you should see all the, the hilarious behind the scenes. We should have someone keep a camera on us of us always trying to get the Ludi family here uh, to walk up on stage by 8.15. We have a new point system that we established, and that is if, as a speaker, you're not here standing on the stage at 8.15, you lose a point. If you are here, you get a point. So I get a point. And I think we started the point system yesterday. So Nathan, I think, was five seconds delayed yesterday. And I was early by a minute. So it might even be two points uh, today for me. So any, any of you out there that are going to be watching this on a consistent basis, you can help us keep points. Uh, but on Mondays and Wednesdays, we're walking through something called the Glossary of the Gospel. And in it, uh, we, and this is the sixth installment, but we are laying the foundations of what a new believer would need to understand. And whereas for an older believer, because there's quite a few of you in here, uh, you would say, well, how could this be beneficial? Well, it's extremely beneficial because it's the process of discipleship. And most of us, because discipleship is a lost art, don't understand the precept upon precept, what is needed to really establish a life in a robust fashion. And so... In this sixth installment, uh, it's called The Entryway, and uh, we're going to be focusing once again, just like we did on Monday on the cross, very specifically, as a dimension of discipleship. Because if you don't understand the cross, it's hard to even enter into the life of Christ to start with. But then, as you enter into Christ, you're going to mature in your understanding of what it is that Christ has accomplished. And so oftentimes we have a very surface understanding, which is ironically sufficient enough for entry into this grand, amazing new life. But then God wants to deepen that and enrich that and to root us and ground us in that life. And so we're going to look at that afresh today. It's a very unique 
message that I'm going to give. And there's a lot of Eric Ludi drawings in this, which for those of you that are art uh, aficionados, uh, you may want to step out now. Uh, it is not great art, but uh, at the same time, it is very purposeful. And uh, it'll be entertaining for that uh, level because it's, it's not that good. And so there, there's an entertainment factor. It's like a bad joke. There's, you know, you could say that was terrible, but at the same time, it's sort of funny when someone has a bad joke too. That's, that's like my art. So uh, key verse, I gave this on Monday. On Monday, our message was called the center of the center, the middle of the middle. Uh, Jesus Christ finds himself, there's a throne in heaven, and it says in the midst of that throne, in the middle of the middle, anamesos in the Greek, in the middle of the middle of that throne, in the center of the center of that throne is a lamb that was slain. In the very center of all center, of all doctrine, all revelation of scripture, all history is divided right here. This is the essence of life. This is the expression, the fullest measure of the nature of God, right here, this cross. And so Paul, when he delivers the goods, when he is giving what was entrusted to him, it could be defined in the most simple sense because Paul knows more than just this of one event. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy knows his stuff. He's going to know Scripture. And yet, in all of Scripture, it's just like a compass. You need a fixed reference point. You need something to reason from, and that is the north star of the cross of Christ. So Paul, speaking to the church at Corinth, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So you've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. The word of God is the basis of what we believe. We, we build our life upon the word of God. And the word of God has different expressions. The word of God in text is what we know as scripture. The word of God in person is who we know as Jesus. The word of God in action, where the word of God is fulfilled perfectly through that man, the word of God in person, on that cross. And those three activities of the word of God, the revelation of God, the full manifestation, saying, here I am, know me. That's what we pin our eternal life on. We say, all that I am, I put my trust on the word of God. So we believe the text, yes, but we believe that the text speaks of that man, that he is the fulfillment of it, and that what he did on that cross is everything for us. And so that is the essence of what our faith is in. So a meditation on the impossible journey. How are you and I going to get from where we are to where we need to be. So as you begin to unpack the word of God, if you were to start in Genesis and look at it in a chronological sense, you would come to a point of desperation and you would recognize that you are commissioned by God to be perfect. And unless you can keep this law and bear its righteousness, you are eternally separated from God. So what we are seeing is a revelation of our sinfulness, that we are not like God, and so it leads to a desperation. But in the midst of that desperation, there's a promise, and that is the, the iniquity of this land will be removed in one day. There is one that will come, and his goings forth are from of old and everlasting. It's speaking of the one that the Jews knew as the Messiah. And that Messiah then... For us, when we see the gospel accounts and why it's such a good news is that the Messiah has come and though we are deserving of a just penalty of death and eternal separation from God and hellfire, that we have a redeemer. 
that there is one who has rescued us from what we justly deserve. So how do we get from here this just deserved hellfire to life with God eternal? Well, how in the world are we going to cross that? How are we going to make it across that? And of course, that's the basis and the essence of the gospel. However, to zoom in and to focus in, to flesh it out to at least another degree is what I want to do today. So we'll call that the impossible journey. And by the way, if any of you think that any man could make that journey from in Adam and a just penalty of death to life, abundant life, purity, righteousness, holiness, you can't make that journey. There is one who has done it. There is one who came in the form of a man and who went on that journey for us. And he accomplished something that we couldn't. But what's amazing about that man, he wasn't just a man, he was God. He is a carrying vehicle. He didn't just do that for himself to say, hey, see, I've shown you that it can be done. Now get to work and try it yourself. Instead, he is a carrying vehicle. He opens up himself and says, climb on in. And when you climb on into that carrying vehicle known as Jesus, he is the way to the Father. There's no other way but this carrying vehicle. But what's amazing, and I think it's just an incredible meditation, is to recognize that Jesus didn't just give us an example and show us that, yes, a man can cross this incredible chasm of impossibility and perfection. It's that he is the way. He is the means by which we can cross. That is our, the way we make this impossible journey. All right, here's my art. Okay, now, uh, this is a, like a gospel tract, Eric Ludi style, okay? So if I was sitting down, you know, Linnea's just blown away with my art already. She, you should see her mouth was open. She was like polishing the floor with her, for, with her chin. Uh, okay, so this is like a sheet of paper. For those that are going to be listening to this podcast, this is going to be a hard one for podcasts. Could you imagine? It's like, and this is what I want. I, I want everyone that's listening to this on podcast to have this deep regret inside of them that they didn't come here this morning. Okay, it's like, I just need to get to Windsor. I need to sit in those seats. I, I want to see this art. Eric, will you ever do another art piece for us? Maybe, maybe. But you're going to have to be here to see it. And I can't tell you ahead of time when it's going to be. You just need to show up every day. So this is like a piece of paper. So if I'm sitting down with someone and I want to explain this to them, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, and I lay it out and I, I write God up there, big, okay, God. And then next to it, off to the left. And so for those that, that aren't here, at the top of the page, uh, there is God, sort of a little off center to the left. And then there is a little U, okay, Y-O-U, and little little compared to God it's it's very small but he creates you and so you are like a little version of him but you're not him you're just a little image bearer of him and so there you are you're cute up there and I think I clicked something but nothing happened oh there we are okay so what I have is a you could see it barely that the this eight and a half by eleven sheet has a bend in it, okay? And so it's, it's showing a quadrant of realms, okay? God is spirit, but man is in this other realm. And so you see the, the division. It's not very clear, uh, but there's a fold in the paper. So that far left-hand side of the paper where you are is, is bent, and it folds. It's a different realm, but 
the way God created us is that these realms would be shared. It's one piece of paper. We're together, right? And look at you. I drew a picture of you down there. And you're happy. You can't really see your face there, but your arms are out, sort of like you're flying around through a field and you're dancing and you're feeling good, right? You were created in the image of God and that which is invisible, God, so you can't see anything over there, right? Is revealed in and through us. Oh, what a, what a miracle creation is. So now I'm going to give a little more definition to this incredible one we know as God. Now this is a massive understatement of who he is. This is a very simple overview, but he is a king. He is a sovereign. And so that's what that throne is. It's like a huge chair. For those of you that can't see it, it's on that right-hand side of the paper. Uh, there's a little you, remember, on the left-hand side. I'm doing this for the, the people listening to podcasts, and, I'm, and, and they're regretting it right now. Can't you just see him right now? Like, this really stinks. This is a terrible way to get this message. But on the right side is this huge throne, and it takes up most of the right side of the paper. I mean, you guys can see it, right? You can attest to that. I mean, that's just a huge throne. It's, a, it's authority. It's power. It's, it's God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. But it's also, you see, one of the things about that is when you see that big cozy chair, it's not just a throne, it's also like the place that a dad would sit. And could you just imagine that dad comes home from work, he sits on his chair, and it looks like one of those big cozy chairs, right? Overstuffed uh, lounger chair, that if you're a child, don't you just sort of want to climb up onto his lap? It's that sort of chair, and that's, that is a foreshadow. That's very critical here, because you were built to sit on that lap. You were designed to be in this big chair with him. And so, look at, I put a, a crown on top of the chair. So he's, he's the king of kings. He's the authority of all authorities. And then I have a, a, some grapes right there. It's like a cluster of grapes. You guys see that uh, off to the left? See, some of you are thinking, this guy's actually a little better at drawing than, than I was giving him credit. He was, he was criticizing himself, but those are some good grapes there. Okay, so those are grapes which are symbolic of life. Okay, so this is the source of authority, power, life. Actually, I have a whole symbol for power. It's a, it's a lightning bolt. You guys like my lightning bolt? You see it on the right side? So for those of you that are missing this, it's on the right side of the page, huge throne, crown on top of the throne, as if the, th the throne itself had a head, right? And then we have a cluster of grapes to the left side and then to the right side, a bolt of lightning to symbolize power. Now look at this, I put some rumble marks underneath the feet, see that? It's like, that's holiness, holy, holy, holiness. And it actually says, I mean, when the seraphim are in there before the throne of God, that the, the posts of, the, of this temple shake. And so that's, it's like the holiness of God. And the next thing they cry is holy, holy, holy. So I think that's a pretty good symbol for it. Now, something bad happens in a very simple sense. It's a rebellion where man attempts to take that throne, as if it's theirs. In other words, hey, God, I don't care if you design this life for yourself, for your glory, for your pleasure. I want to use it for my glory and my pleasure. It's called sin. And it's a deviation from the purpose of why God created us. And because God is everything that is holy and everything that is righteous and everything that is living, when we depart from and we enter into sin, we die. And so what you see is that page folds back. Okay, and no longer are we on the same page with God. And so that one side of the page, for those of you that aren't uh, listening, it f that left side of the page folds under. And now it is lost. 
we don't see it. it. When we're looking at God, we don't see it. If we flip it over, we don't see God. And so it's, we're on a different side of the page now. And we're opposite God. And so there's blackness to us. So as God reveals himself, one of the key revelations that he gives us, which is startling, to be honest with you, is that in the very essence of who he is, he is love. And so I put a big heart. I mean, it's a huge heart. I mean, this is the big heart that God has, right? But in the very essence of who he is, he has love for us. So though he is authority of all authorities, king of all kings, lord of all lords, though he is life and we have chosen death, though he is all power, though he is holy, 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 for whatever reason, he has set his love on us. Even though we have rejected him and we're cho- we've chose darkness, I mean, un- underneath that piece of paper, darkness. I mean, on the fall, he, this is on the light side is where God is, and we're on the back side. We're in the dark side, yet he still has chosen us and loves us, and that's what is revealed in Scripture. Now, look at this. God desires us to get to that heart and back into that chair. He wants us on his lap in an intimate place, but we're in darkness, and so what does he give us? He gives us something that, shocks most of us and doesn't seem to help that's how we would think he gives us law why would he give us law you see what he's doing is he's making a way back to his heart and to do that he has to show us that we have sin he has to awaken us to the fact that we're in rebellion and we're in the darkness see when you're in darkness you don't realize you're in darkness if all you ever have ever known is darkness then you don't know anything about light if we were in darkness and there were a whole bunch of scurrying creatures in here uh, you know, dangerous, you know, type of critters uh, that are in more moist climates, by the way. I'm going to make a pitch for Colorado climate right now as we don't have a lot of those uh, scurrying creatures because we're a dry climate. So that's a pitch for anyone. See, there's multiple pitches I'm making in this message. One is that you're missing all of my artwork by not being present this morning, okay? I'm talking to all the people via podcast because they're missing this right now. And... Uh, we don't have a lot of scurrying creatures, okay? This is just a great place to be. So if you want to get away from scurrying creatures for a little, come to Ellerslie, maybe stay the night, and enjoy this incredible climate, right? Uh, So God wants to get us to himself. He wants to get us to that heart. And so what he gives us is law. That doesn't seem very loving, does it? However, he's showing us the way to his heart, the way into intimacy. See, that big chair is a picture of intimacy, too. Not just authority and power, it's also intimacy. And so he wants us in intimacy, so he gives us law? Yes, he has to show us something. That is that there is only one way to be in his presence, and that is to be perfect as he is perfect, holy as he is holy, and righteous as he is righteous. Well, how do we feel then? If that's what we get is law, it doesn't give us much hope. You see, the law isn't where the hope is, but the law is necessary to understand the gospel. And so the law is given to acquaint us with our lostness, with our darkness. Okay, now I'm going to put another picture. I'm layering on. So on the throne, on the right side of the piece of paper, is a big heart. And then inside that big heart is two tablets of stone. And boy, do they look mean. Those two tablets just stare us down and they don't give us a lot of reprieve. It's like, hey, are you holy? Are you righteous? Are you perfect? Like, no. Boy, I have a problem. Yeah, that problem is sin. 
It is rebellion. You are in darkness. You have chosen you above God. And yet when you are in Adam, you can't escape Adam in and of yourself. You have no power to escape Adam. And so it's a very desperate situation. Law is proving something to us, but it's not making us feel too good. So on top of that law, I'm going to put a cross. Okay, now a cross at first to us as Christians is a wonderful signal. It's like, oh, Eric's moving in the right direction here. Oh, that's good. However, at first, what you see is God saying, all right, so I've given you the law. All right, how you doing? You see, if you can't keep that law, then you're accursed. There's wrath and there's judgment. And that's what a cross is. A cross is a symbol of a curse. Now, to us as Christians, because Jesus has come, it has converted that picture into something beautiful. However, if we stare at it right now, God is actually saying there is a just penalty for not keeping this law. He is explaining to us that we are sinners and we are deserving of judgment. And unless you are perfect, unless you are perfectly righteous, unless you can align yourself with God's nature, then you are going to be cut off from him. Because the only avenue into this heart, into this big chair, cozy chair with God, is that you must be perfect. So how are you doing? I'm not doing well. So he sets a cross up there, and he says, and there's a just penalty for this. There is judgment. There is wrath. Whoa, does that sound like a loving God to you? You see, God is creating a way, and he needs us to understand that way. We deserve a curse. A tree in the, and amongst the Jews is a symbol of a curse. Anyone who hangs on a tree is accursed. And it's a suspension between two worlds. You are rejected to this earth because you've broken the law. And you are not worthy of living amongst men. But then you are also suspended between heaven and earth. You are not, you are rejected of God. There is no place for you here in the earth or in heaven. So God's had to create another place. It's a place of eternal judgment. Oh, that's the symbol of the cross. And God's saying, I need you to understand this. There is a just penalty. That's why the cross is so powerful when you understand Christ, to recognize that he knows what that symbol is. And he says, hand it to me, guys. Let me carry that. Let me carry it for you. Oh, big time good news. Okay, and that's what's gonna happen next. So for those of you that can't see this, of course you're regretting it, you're ruining the day. You cannot believe you weren't here this morning to miss my artwork, but there's a huge chair there, a throne. But in that throne is a huge heart. And on top of that heart is a commandment, is a law. And unless you can keep that commandment, there is a judgment. So there's a cross on top of that law. And then what comes on top of that cross? Jesus himself, God, who sits in that throne, comes to this earth and is born as one of us. And he lives the life that we couldn't live. And what does he do? You see, what God is doing is he's making a way back into that heart. But he is not nullifying his law to do it, and he's not removing the cross. Instead, he embraces it for us. He layers himself over that cross and bears the just penalty that we deserve. Why is he doing this? Because his entire intent is that big heart to get us into that chair afresh. You see, we rebelled and we're in darkness and he wants to bring us back into light. Okay, this is getting exciting, guys. Now, if you're here and you saw me click that screen, I mean, all sorts of things changed on the screen right there. You see, this is where the suffering of the cross kicks in for us. 
Now, what I've done in this picture is multiple things. I'm seeing, I'm going to, you guys can see it visually. Those that are watching or listening via podcast can't see that click. Okay, but what happened is a, is a wound in Christ's side opened up. So what you see is a opening. It's like a doorway, and I'm going to call it an entryway, which then matches with the title of this message. There's an entryway in and through the wounds of Christ. And if, you, if anyone is willing to give up their life and enter through those wounds by faith, then you go through the wounds, through the Messiah, Christ, through that cross and the judgment, through the law, the perfection and the perfect righteousness, into the heart of God and into that chair. There is one means by which we can access that chair and it is opened up for us at the cross like a doorway. And if we would humble ourselves and we would enter into that by faith, it's a doorway, it's an entryway. We then are able to pass through that judgment unscathed. We are able to pass through the law clothed in Christ's righteousness. And we are able to enter in because of his love. We are able to enter into that chair. He welcomes us there. Okay, now, so the, the, there's an opening in his side. And then what's amazing is the piece of paper opened up again. So no, that left flap that got turned under turns open again. And now man is able to enter into the light again, if he believes. And so what we have is you are back on the screen here. And when you put your faith in Christ, in his shed blood, in his wounds, so I have a line that goes from you to that wound. And when you see that, when you look upon your Christ, you can be saved. Now, so it also opens up, and I put some words up there on your side of the, the page, and it says your account. Now, right now, it says your account when it's underlined, right? And there's nothing there. Well, except for the fact that you have access, right? But there is something there that I would want to explain to you that when you look upon Christ, it is now opening up an opportunity. And this is what Christianity is. Most of us stunt in Christianity and we look upon the cross and are saved. Well, praise God that we've looked upon our wounded, bruised Savior and we have been saved. However, there is so much to this cross that we oftentimes miss. And so what I'm going to show you here in this screen, I circled you and God, okay? And I created almost like this bond. I have like three lines, and they, they bond you to God. Because of your faith, you are becoming one with God. You are being knit together with God. And so there's a big circle around you and God up there in the top. And then if you look closely, you'll see inside of Christ you'll see a little you. I mean, that's about as cool as it gets. And you're like, that's me. Yeah, that's you. Remember that cool picture of you that I drew earlier? And now there's a little miniature version of you inside of Christ. How'd you get there? How'd you get into Christ? Actually, you're right in the center. I mean, look at that. You're, you're in him. You're in the cross. You're in the law, in his perfect righteousness, and you're in his heart. And technically, you're in the chair. How did you get there? Uh, because you believed. You gave up your life of darkness, and you said, I don't want to live in darkness anymore. You repented of it. And the page flipped open, and you ended up, instead of in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of light. And now, because of your faith, you've been brought into Christ. 
And now you are where he is. It says he's seated in heavenly places. And guess what? It says you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, good news, guys. And so now watch what we're going to do. Now look at that, that left side of the screen where you are, okay? Remember the, the one, the you that's like staring up at the, at the cross, and it says your account over there? Now watch what's going to happen in your account. Boom! A big fat R went into your account. You're like, what does that mean? Righteousness. Capital R, righteousness. In other words, God's righteousness is credited to your account. Because you looked upon Christ and his work, suddenly you get in your account his righteousness. So unless you have righteousness, you cannot commune with God. But guess what? Because you looked upon the cross, you're not just in Christ, but Christ's righteousness, his perfect fulfillment of the law is given to you so that you can wear it like clothing. That even if all the angels are like, hey, you don't belong here, you like whip out your cloak, stick it on and say, actually, I have the righteous cloak. They're like, oh, he has righteousness. How did he get that? I got it from Christ. Like, how did you get Christ's righteousness? I believed. I gave my life to him, and he has given me his righteousness to wear so that I can now boldly enter this chair. I can hang out with God Almighty. That is extraordinary. Okay, now watch the account column here. Boom! Okay, now something huge happened in this one. Did you notice, uh, first of all, we got like this river type of look in the account column. That's grace, by the way. That is like the living water of God. It's the very life of God. The Holy Spirit is given to us. Now, now look what I did with that line. See, you have a little you down in the left-hand column. Remember that? Uh, the one that I showed you at the very beginning. I drew a picture of you. I said you're a nice-looking character. And then up to the little you in the wounds of Christ... There is now a pipeline that is created. Because you have believed, there is a pipeline that is created. It's a pipeline of grace. All that God has, he wants to bring to you in this body, in this earth. He wants to supply you with everything you need to live this life. Yeah, here in this world. In other words, he's in this grand eternal throne in this other realm of spirit. But you are here in a physical realm, so how are you supposed to live your life? Well, you're not just given his righteousness, you're given grace. So how are you given grace? God connects you to him. You're one with him, and so therefore, when you believe, it's like turning the gate valve. And now the pipeline, the, the, the substance of God, the life of God, the Holy Spirit now comes and lives inside this body. Okay, look at we just added something else to the account. Grapes. God's grapes are your grapes. Life. You have life abundant, full of glory. How'd you get that? Well, you got it the same way. You got the righteousness and the Holy Spirit. You got it by faith in Christ. You see, all of this is not earned through your working. It's through his working on the cross. He's the one that did it. Your job is to believe. And when you believe and you abide in Christ, these things flow into you, grow in you. Oh, guys, you got the lightning bolt too? Some of you are like, this is too good to be true, guy. I can't even handle this. You didn't just get the capital R righteousness. You didn't just get the Holy Spirit. You didn't just get the grapes, the life. You get the power of God to live this life. You have his authority. That is extraordinary. Oh, one more, one more. Hey, guys, his love is shed abroad in our hearts. That very big heart, boom, 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 that pulsates in the chair in the throne room of grace is imparted to us 
And now, boom, 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 inside of our chests beats the heart of God. We are actually vehicles that now carry the love of God. That is extraordinary, people. Do you understand how magnificent this is? This is why it's been called good news, and I think the word good falls far short of what it is. Extraordinary, bewildering, befuddling, magnificent. Pick the biggest word you can, and it's still, you need to multiply them all by millions to try and reach the levels of what this is. It's incomprehensible at a certain measure. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, now look at this fight. I'm going to go back to the previous one. See if you guys can say what the difference is. Now watch closely. Kaboom. Did you guys see it? Did you see it? What was it? The guy. You. In the bottom left-hand corner, remember the you that you were drawn in the very beginning? I said you're a nice-looking character. Well, suddenly you look even nicer. Okay, what happened? You have a huge smile on your face. And guess what's inside of you? There's a heart. That looks just like the heart of God. It's like a miniature version of the heart of God. That's right, and you're now the carrying vehicle of his love. I just described for you guys Christianity. This is how it works. How does it work? Because Jesus died on that cross for you. Now, there's so much more to the life of God, to understand his resurrection life, to understand his seated position, to understand the functionality and the discipleship in this life, how these things practically function in us. But this is where we gaze daily. This is what we look at always. This is what we cherish often. This is what we repeat to ourselves. We preach to ourselves. This is the essence. When Paul goes to the church at Corinth, he says, this is the message I bring. This is the center of centers. In the midst, in the middle, in the center of the throne is a lamb that was slain to take away the sin of the world. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) This is a glossary, so I'm supposed to go through terms. Boy, after that, crucifixion. It's bearing a cross. It's, It's being laid upon a cross, and it's dying. When you head out with a cross. And so when Jesus says, pick up your cross, that is a saying goodbye to your life as you know it. You have to say goodbye to your kingdom of darkness. You have to say goodbye to all that it holds. When you are coming to the cross and following Jesus, you are giving up your old ways so that you could enter into a new way, a new life, a new man, a new creature. Fulfillment. These are all key biblical words that you're going to see. Fulfillment is taking all that Christ promised and seeing it realized It is done. When he said that his hands and his feet would be perished, guess what? It was fulfilled. He did it. When it says that they will cast lots for his clothing a thousand years before it happens, guess what? It was fulfilled. All that Christ said in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New. The word of God is made flesh. It is fulfilled. All righteousness, all righteous requirements, he fulfills it. All judgment fulfilled in Christ. All holiness, all perfection, all requirements of who God is being revealed in this earth was revealed in him. All that a man ought to be fulfilled. Identification. Identification, when you see that little you inside of Christ on the cross, that's identification. And so it's a key word. In fact, oftentimes it's called the identification doctrines. When Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. We're like, what do you mean you were crucified with Christ? There were two thieves up there and Jesus. I don't remember Paul being up there. By faith, he climbs into the work of Christ. And when Christ dies, he dies. 
When Christ is buried, he's buried. When Christ rises to newness of life, he rises to newness of life. When Christ ascends to the right hand of the Father, he ascends. And he's in Christ, seated in heavenly places. That's called identification. Temple. We have an Old Testament temple and we have a New Testament. When Jesus says, tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. But the temple of which he was speaking was his body. And then Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? We are that very body. This body becomes the dwelling place of God. In this earth, all that is in that throne room of grace, that big chair, is meant to come and now dwell here. There's like a chair, but it's a miniature version of it. So that God rules and reigns, and there's grapes, and there's thunderbolts, and there's a crown, and there's rumble marks. How? It's inside of us by faith. We become the temple of the living God here on this earth. It's mobile. Ransom. A word that you'll hear in the scriptures, and it means the price paid. You see, there is a problem, and that is that there is a requirement of the law for entry into the presence of God. What is the price? Perfection, holiness, perfect fulfillment of scripture. Uh, I, I don't know anyone who can break the seal of this scroll. And even in heaven, John's even beginning to cry as he witnesses who can break the seal. There is one who can. It's the lamb that was slain. There is one that can break this seal. There is one that can pay the price with his own shed blood. And that's a ransom. Who's it paid to? Not to the devil. It's satisfying. So there's terms in scripture called like propitiation. Big word. I was supposed to put it on my screen. I didn't. It means to satisfy. Atonement. A just and satisfying offering. We are atoned in Christ's blood. So his blood is a ransom. It is a price paid so then a redemption is the release of a prisoner that is affected by a payment. So when we are redeemed by Christ, he is giving a ransom, his own blood, to satisfy the just requirements, and we are released from the penalty of law. We are released. Not, the only reason the devil has us is because of our sin. He's the prince over the garbage can, and we have chosen the garbage can. As long as we choose darkness, he reigns over darkness. But he, when we choose in faith, we are released from his clutches because God's law is satisfied in Christ Jesus. We are freed because Jesus paid our ransom and he redeemed us. Curse, wrath, judgment. It's all that the cross says. You're going to get this because you have not lived as you ought to live. You have chosen sin and darkness, flesh, over me. And as a result, we are under wrath, we are under a, a curse, and we bear a just judgment and penalty. But that's what Jesus paid the ransom and redeemed us from, so that we now can live as children of God. In whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Oh, that's like one of those moments where you stand up, put fist pump in the air, and go, yeah, he has done it. And he did it for us. Praise God. So in each one of these, I've said there's a key to progressing in the Christian life, and that is you cannot start this via the Holy Spirit and then turn back to your own methods, your own willpower, your own gumption to complete it. 
You need to be connected to that pipeline and everything that God has for you is what you need to take every step forward. There is a need for the Holy Spirit to be able to functionally live out this Christian life. Key exercise for the week, stillness, biblical meditation. I wish I could go into these at a greater level. Right now I'm giving a surface understanding of just some of the key disciplines as we go through as you grow as a Christian. But to learn to be still. This world is noisy, it is active, and stillness is a very opposite behavior of everything we are inclined to naturally. And yet, when you are still, biblical meditation is very different than transcendental meditation. It is not some Eastern mysticism, some New Age practice. It is a focus on the person of Christ and what he did. It is giving yourself to the word of God and tilling it in your soul, cultivating it in and through prayerful, Holy Spirit-led prayer and thinking. And there's a whole process to it that's been used throughout generations amongst Christians of how the cultivation of meditating upon the word of God, upon the work of the cross, upon the person, the nature of God Almighty works. And the result of it is always worship. It's like this. If you were to see a sunset out there over the beautiful Rocky Mountains, you'd be meditating on it. By doing what? By observing it. By examining its quality. And, and what does it lead to? It leads to a response. It elicits something. It's called praise. And what do you say? Without anyone twisting your arm, what, what happens? That's beautiful. Hey guys, you need to see this. That's what Christianity is. We're supposed to meditate, to be still and to know that he is God. And to take the time to see the sunset that is Christ. To behold his beauty and then what does it do? No one has to twist your arm and say, you need to be worshiping, you need to be singing songs, you need to be doing things. No, it's a natural result. It elicits that praise. You don't need to say, oh yeah, I really need to say something nice about this sunset. It just comes out because the sunset is deserving. It is a beautiful representation of glory and beauty. All right. Well, guys, let's transition. Let's finish with prayer right now and then transition into a corporate time. Father, oh, thank you. Thank you for what you've done on our behalf. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for loving us while we were yet sinners. Lord, it is a wonderful, beautiful, humbling thing to recognize our unworthiness, to recognize that we are so undeserving of your mercy, of your grace, and of your love. But you, O oh Lord, have sought us out. You have placed value upon us, though we are rebels. And you have expressed your love to us, your kindness to us in and through the person of Jesus. Lord, may we live lives worthy. May we live lives in response, proper response, of this incredible sacrifice, of this incredible gift of life. May we not take it lightly. And just as we would be seeing a sunset right now, I pray that we would draw other people in to say, hey, you need to look at what I see right now. You need to see what I see. I see a lamb slain in the midst of a throne. We love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen.
Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.